Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm here in Duluth, Georgia at Goodward Brewing and Public House. And across from me is Todd DiMatteo. He's the founder and brewer and all-around good beer guy. And we're going to be talking about alcohol strength, hospitality, creativity, and building a beer community. But first... All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. Check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And we're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. Learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing sponsor at beeredge.com. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code BEEREDGE15 for 15% off of your first order. And we're also brought to you by Cigar City Brewing. Cigar City Brewing has taken inspiration from beyond the cosmos for Cosmic Crown, a golden-hued, strong golden ale, and added galaxy hops to impart passion fruit and peach qualities to its profile of ripe fruit and light peppery spice. You can learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. So I've had the good pleasure of knowing today's guest for a while now, but this is only the second time that we've hung out in person. Todd DiMatteo is the owner and brewer here at Goodword in Duluth, Georgia, and has been turning out some of the more flavorful, interesting, and low ABV beers that I've had in a while. He's had a long career in beer and hospitality, including a long term at the Brickstore Pub and Atlanta Institution. The influence of that bar can be felt in his beers today, with nods to tradition, styles, and an appreciation for well-established international beer regions. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for thanks for having me here. Thank you for for being here, and thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, your presence is a present. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's a rap lyric. Uh, is it now? Kanye West. Is that? Oh, I good. I think it was. Con- I think it's Kanye West. And if it wasn't, Kanye will still tell you that it was Kanye. Should be. Yeah, yeah. that's healthy uh, egos do that. It's they claim victory no matter where defeat may lie. Um, do you have a brewer ego? Do I have a brewer ego? Yeah. I, you know, probably yes. I'd say yes, I do. Um, what, not, do you, what, do you puff your, what do you puff your chest out about? Like, what do you... Well, I don't know. I guess I've... I don't know. So, even though I'm a, a young brewer as far as experience goes, I'm an old man in life. I'll be 43 in December. So, um, I definitely got into the brewing game, you know, later than a lot, I guess. So I still feel like a baby uh, as far as that experience level goes, but, you know, I definitely hold a sense of pride to tradition and process um, and to some extent like ingredients and stuff like that. But I still use, you know, vitamin, commodity, malt. I have a good friend, uh, John Branding, who you probably know, who is a craft malt guy, and we have not heated but hilarious conversations about uh, the, that stuff. But um, <clears throat> I don't know if I puff my chest at anything necessarily, but I do have like a, a great sense of pride about, you know, what we, we do. Um, and we do a lot of classic style beers, no doubt. And yeah. when you look at the list, it's pretty much, you know, 90% of that um, 
the draft list is that kind of stuff. But we do playful beers. I got a beer on right now called Anna Fantastic that's tart cherry and tangerine. Yeah. But it's sour. You know, it's not a slushy type sour. But we do playful beers. And, you know, it's it's funny. Recently, I had the, uh, the thought because, you know, I always try to remember – and it's actually a password. I've said this before uh, <laughs> on some of my uh, platforms. It's only beer. Um, because at the end of the day, it's only fucking beer. And you shouldn't take it that seriously. But You need to go change those passwords that well, exist there's right other now. Because everybody's going to be getting into yeah, your yeah. Netflix account. I have and, noticed that. Yeah. The Hulu is like all these new shows. <laughs> uh, there's more to it than that. But yeah, anyway, it's definitely a joke. But a mantra I've tried to remind myself. Anytime I feel like I'm taking anything too fucking serious, I'm like, it's only beer. Not the you know, end of the world or... Anything I, like that. Yeah. I, I guess the counterpoint, though, is, yes, it's only beer, but beer is the livelihood. Beer is what has this roof and the employees and everything. And and having the good fortune of, of tasting your beers for the better part of the last couple of years now, um, everything is really thoughtful. And it's, you know, so, yeah, it might only just be beer, but it's thoughtful beer that is also critically important to to the business like if you guys were a coffee roaster with a beer thing on the side i'd be like sure but yeah yeah no i thank you for that um you know it's funny because i've been thinking about that sentiment you just said a lot lately you know a lot of people are expanding we were talking about expansion like you know what does that look like for us what does it mean and i've actually had the thought lately and i said it on instagram on our at good word brewing uh, You're so handle. good at that. I don't you know just if I seamlessly just dropped in your. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's so there's, good. There's two accounts, guys. One yeah. is for the you know more beer uh, savvy stuff, or not savvy, but behind the scenes look. That's at Good Word Beer, but the other one's Good Word Brewing. But anyway, um, I said on there at one point, I intentionally don't brew our hazy IPA that often because I don't want us to become the house of never sleep because even though i think it's a good beer and um you know people love it i've tried to keep that out of you know current or ongoing lineup like i'll bring it back every few months and sometimes it's gone for six months or more and okay but i, I what i was going to say though is i think it may be to our detriment at sometimes like you know we're we're definitely busy enough but if I made that beer more often, would people more people know about us? Like, would that stop me from doing the three percent pale lagers and you know Shank beer and the freaking you know <laughs> Donker beers and all the esoteric lost lager styles? Probably not. So I don't know. It's like this sort of existential—I wouldn't call it a crisis, but kind of thought process where I'm at right now is like, should I be leaning into more of the hit? category to help the business along am i being selfish or ego driven to go back to what you originally asked well i guess the my question would be if you did have a regular hazy in your rotation would it would it move the needle or like would it i don't know yeah i don't know i'll tell you this every time i think that it doesn't matter and we can you know, have four English beers and, you know, three three to five lagers or whatever it is, uh, and people are going to love it, every time we have Never Sleep On or some hazy whatever the hell, uh, it goes really fast. So it is clear that that beer style is still extremely prevalent and the people who enjoy craft beer, and that's fine, you know, it's totally fine. So I, I guess going back to it, it's like I, I'm probably wrestling with my own, like, sort of ego about it, like, you know, if I just lean into this and I don't give the people what they want, quote unquote, uh, 
then I, I can win that way. But maybe there's a you know a way to do both. So I'm going to stop being so fucking selfish. Well, I'm seeing on your menu right now, you have two hazy double IPAs. The yeah. Universe Says and We Are America Volume 2. The one is gone now. Okay. One's 86th. Yeah, so. All right. But, so you have one on. Yeah. Are there going to be people, though, who walk through your doors for the first time, and that's the only thing they'll drink, and they're not going to be going for your English Summer Ale or your Zwickle? Or, I don't know. That's you know. a good question. I think that if, if you happen upon us, you might be disappointed if that's you know if you're if you're that type of beer drinker, but I think for the most part, we've either cultivated a, a local community that really respects and appreciates the summer ales and the fucking lagers and all that shit, but maybe still dabbles in IPA or, or hops in general. But if you're making a trek out here like a lot, like some people are doing, um, then I think you don't give a shit about the hazy beer. You're not coming for us for hazy beer, you right? Know? Like hopefully that's still quality in your mind. Uh, once you try it, but you know. I mean, I I wouldn't even think like knowing what I know about your brewery, I wouldn't even think about ordering the hazy, even though I'm sure it'd be it'd yeah. be fun. But I can get a hazy anywhere, totally. and exactly. know, the, these small beers that you're making are just they're a pleasure to drink, and it's totally. so. Who walks through your door then? You know, I guess that's probably a better question for the bartenders. Um, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, partly the reason we make those kind of beers is because one, I feel like having been around craft beer since 2005 when I started at Brickstore Pub, that yeah. I'm, you know, you it's not that you get burnt out on it, but like when I walk into a place and their 25 beer menu list is 95% hazy beer, yeah. I'm like fucking bored. Like who's, I am who's making this shit for yeah. you guys? Like who's back there like pushing buttons and going like, this is just fine. You know, well, it's I, a paycheck I, at that point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe and maybe it's not. Maybe they maybe they're passionate about. It. I hate to be dismissive about that, and I think about that sometimes too because I've mentioned that about putting gloopy glop in sour beers and thought about it later. I was like, there's probably plenty of people who've made businesses and livelihoods off of making gloopy glop, so I should sure. be a shitbag about it. But <laughs> I personally walk into it and I feel a lack of soul and in, I don't want to say integrity, but lack of like you know, it's like why why what young brewer got into this or what brewer of any age got into this and said I want to make fucking hazy beer <laughs> and that's it no one yeah no one no and every brewer that I've ever talked to who has a pastry stout that's landed in the general consciousness or a hazy or something I'll always say to them and I actually put this in one of my books uh, you know I'll say to them like, well what do you want to make I was like I just want to make really good dry Irish stout or I want to make a really nice Hefeweizen or I want to make totally. and it's like well why don't you? It's like because it won't sell. It's like yeah but if you if that's what you have and people walk in yeah, you know it's it, I guess it, it comes down to the economics of it right of you know if you start off making hazies yeah. and that's what's driving your sales but you really want to be making really nice Belgian wits it's gonna be hard to make that turn for it, sure. Yeah, you're almost never gonna be, and now you're. It's the golden handcuffs, right? It's totally. The, yeah. And people have made excuses, and I made excuses for us, and why we're able to do this. Or you have a kitchen, or you guys are only a ten barrel brew house, um, whatever. <laughs> but like, I just don't think that that's the case. It's funny because I've met at least two or three brewers who are known for certain types of beers, and. It's funny. That, I don't know if it's just them trying to relate topically, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we used to do a, a bitter all the time." It's like. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, we stopped making it because it doesn't sell. And it's like, did you, 
Like, I don't know. It's like, I get it. Like, if your local community is telling you, hey, we don't want to drink your fucking bitter, is yeah. it really quality? Yeah. Or is it a lack of education on your part of, like, your staff and, um, you know, just kind of, like, sticking to it a little bit and being like, no, man, I didn't get in this just to make money. Believe me, there's a lot of other things I'd have chosen over this uh to make money yeah um but you know we have a lot of uh, pride in how we serve beer and how we talk about beer and we have a beer school that we do once a week that's run by my business partner not by you know just a staff member which is great you can do a staff member as well but you know, a certified cicerone and bjcp judge we look at beer from like a a neutral sort of uh, standpoint like objectively we blind taste our own beers against like other you know amazing commercial examples and sometimes it holds its own sometimes it's like yeah i can pick ours out because it's not bottle conditioned or because this or that the other it's like we're always going to try to improve but i think that education is one of those things like i didn't get back in the brewery and go to sleep you know i've read more in the last you know five years than i had in the 15 years previous so i am I don't know. I'm a, I think in any good leader and uh, passionate person is always going to just be a student of whatever vocation they've chosen. Brickstore is, as I mentioned at the top, an Atlanta institution. And I remember the very first time that I came to the city, Bob Townsend, uh, your great beer writer down here, uh, took me there. And we had a, a, a wonderful night uh, that I kind of remember. And then I went back on purpose the next day because I wanted to just, like, when it opened, because I wanted quiet time in that bar to, to sort of, like, feel what that bar was all about. Totally. And, um, and it's two very different things of going at 9 o'clock at night one night when it's, when it's, when it's packed busy. and when yeah. you go, at, in the, you know, for a proper day drinking right. session where you can, you know, feel the place as well as drink the beers, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, that was an important part of your professional journey. And I know that there are people who, if they have that entrepreneurial spirit, will just try to open up their own version of it. Say, we okay, almost did. This. That okay. was the initial intention was to do that. Because it's like, yeah, we've had this in our DNA. This makes perfect sense. You can just open. I shouldn't say you just can open. Because <laughs> opening a world-class beer bar, and I hate calling it a beer bar. It's not really a beer bar. It's a fucking pub. Um, but it's a world-class pub and, um, it's hard to curate that and have the right look and have the lighting be perfect and have, you know, the decor just be right and the people get it and, you know, and picking beer lists these days, man, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think you, you hadn't, here come the train. Sorry, guys. That's no, good. Uh, <laughs> we're right next to the train tracks for those uninitiated, um, but anyway, you know, you'd written something. Is it a commuter train? What is no, that? no, no. Oh, no, that is definitely a. That has at least 17 transients on there with, um, you know, spray cans in their hands ready to tag. And <laughs> But uh, anyway, you wrote something uh, about uh, beer bars, what, last year, a year and a half ago, yeah. something like that. And, it, you know, it's definitely sad to see beer bars kind of go away. But I feel like beer bars are a they are going to be so necessary because of the thing we were just talking about. And it's the homogenization of breweries brewing these types of things. And I, I think it's maybe changing now because I think breweries are realizing you can't just get away with doing 75 same beer types sure. with different hop selections or whatever. But I think that beer bars are very necessary and places that just have a well curated beer list from beer around the world because 
you know, I love drinking local and thinking local and all that kind of stuff. But like there's the beers that I first fell in love with were Belgian and German, you know? So like, I don't, I don't know. I think that the beer bar is, it's definitely, uh, always going to be important. But so in opening up a brewery though, and again, yeah. looking at this list that's in front of me, I mean, you brought the world to the beers that you're making. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, this is, if, if, if all of these weren't your beers, sure. I would look at them and be like, this is a really well curated beer list for a really yeah. good beer bar. Totally. And that's, a, that's how I, that's the thought process exactly behind it. Honestly, like, you know, when I started at Brickstore in 2005, I believe we had like 26, 25 or 26 lines and we ended up with 29 before I left, uh, and a 30th counting the single engine we had at the time. But like, you could look at that list and go like, you know, eight Belgian beers of different, you know, I hate to call them styles cause the Belgians are reluctant as well, yeah. but you know, different Belgian beers and a crazy bottle list. Um, but then you have the, the draft list and just looking at like what was available American wise, uh, German, it, ha- it kind of hit so many different points. And so it wasn't for one person or a type of person you could go in there, me and you, uh, I wouldn't call us like, you know, burn out about beer, but you know, we've seen the yeah. gamut. We're going to find something easy, but we could bring our buddy with us. Who's into whatever. And they're going to find something for them and for mom and for everybody. So yeah. it, it goes back to that like community sort of thing. I'm not thinking about this from like a single mind point, like or a mindset of like, all right, it's got to look like this, you know, but it still has some work to do. Like I, the next foray for us is definitely getting into, um, you know, mixed culture, uh, beers. We've brewed. Really? Some, yeah. Oh yeah. We, I've been brewing stuff over the years and have, I'm so naive with some of that stuff. And I've got some really smart people who I'm trying to, um, convince to come down and visit me and help me blend and bottle and all that sort of stuff. Um, we're planning an event. I'll go ahead and say most yeah. likely Les Bon or I'm sorry, Les Bon Vu, uh, Les Bon, uh, named by my good buddy, uh, Alan from, um, Jack Yo's. He said, uh, why don't you call it a uh, Les Bon? Uh, it was pretty, pretty hilarious, <laughs> but, um, basically an event where kind of taking the DNA from our, uh, lager event, little beer and doing saisons and mixed culture and, and some, uh, oysters as well. And that's going to, as well as going to be in November. But anyway, we're hoping to release some of our mixed culture stuff by then. We'll see if it's any good. We'll definitely release it. So that's the thing. If it's any good. And I imagine that, I mean, you're not putting out beers that aren't up to, up to snuff, no, but if you're having an invitational and you're bringing brewers in from around the country who have, yeah. You know, done really well at mixed fermentation yes you have to have a certain faith in yourself for sure yeah well i'm also including saison and lager so i can okay. pl- so i can participate <laughs> in my own event in case my fucking mixed culture shit sucks um but hopefully it won't um we definitely have a no couple i'm sure barrels. it won't but yeah yeah but uh you know i i love that kind of beer uh, as well but what i gravitate towards honestly is more lager and english beer that's what i drink the most of and that's what i'm I want to have the most of here, you know. So, so why spontaneous then? I feel like there's so many variables that can go wrong, and it's. But so is there on a normal brew yeah. day? Like you know, in my mind, it's like there is. It's just process again. Like it's it's new stuff that I have not gone down the road. It's like that continuing to be a student. So it's like exciting for me to try to also do that. It just seems like there's so much like science and process behind what I'm doing now and for that that's a little more of the romance to kind of weave back into it I don't know I feel like it's going to make us a more complete kind of brewery to be able to offer some of that stuff again hopefully 
we've got a lot of sock back there. We just got to like get to the blending and the bottle conditioning of it. Um, do, do you have an idea of what you want those to be? Because I'm always I, I ask this question a lot on the show, but the DNA of the beer, you know, because you want or I imagine most brewers want there to be something identifiable about their spontaneous beers. Yeah. Have you been thinking about what do you want that to be for yours? For sure. I mean, I actually have, if I could just make one mixed culture beer, uh, and have that be something we have all the time, it would be like, a you know, a two and a half to three and a half percent like table beer that has, you know, a young Brett character and a mild acidity. Uh, I would, that I would be happy with that. And just like fucking crazy high carbonation like that to me just sounds like a beautiful little beer. Um, I don't know if I've heard a lot of people talk about carbonation. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I know it's part of it and it, you know, you want that satisfying pop and you want that scrubbing bubbles, yeah. robust champagne esque. Sure. Um, but that it's important enough for you to bring that up in a description before it's out there. I'm a carb hoe. Are you? I'm a carb hoe big time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Our, uh, we they stole the virtues for me. So we spawned almost all of our beers. Um, we croisen a lot of our beers. Anything that's been dry hopped that's a, a lager, we'll, usually pale lagers, we'll um, croisen those. I want For our, those unfamiliar with spunning and croisening. So spunning would be, there's a spunning valve. You actually, it's a little apparatus you connect to your, um, your fermenter. And it depends on when you want to kind of put that guy on there, right? Most yeah. people say a Play-Doh and a half to two Play-Doh before your terminal gravity. Um, should be enough. Um, sometimes I'll put it on, you know, earlier than that and leave it a little loose and just kind of tighten it as I go along. But um, I've always been a little reluctant about getting full carbonation from that. I've gotten a, I've gotten a little more into trying to get as much carbonation. That. And the reason I would do that is, like, I always worry about repitches, like subsequent repitches after, and that's um, pulling the yeast and reusing it. Um, by putting too much pressure on that yeast that's in that fermenter. So yeah. anyway, um, and then croisening would be a beer that is either finished, close to finish, um, and you take fresh wort and you, fre- sorry, fresh wort with yeast, uh, and you push it onto uh, that beer and close it up with, you know, either a spunning valve or just close the tank and just set it to 15, or sorry, one bar and, yeah. you know, let it go. Um, but you know, that's a croisening is a great way to kind of clean up beers, but I find I like doing that for our, um, <clears throat> our dry hop lagers because when I was dry hopping them, even though we have like a four inch hop port and this little thing called a Mark's mini hop doser. So we're able to like safely put the hops into this like little vessel and then drop them in. But what happens is it, you know, if, if it's partially carbonated in there, it'll like, you know, fucking nucleate the fucking pressure goes crazy. So you have to like blow the tank down. So yeah. you lose a lot of that aroma. So what I found is instead of spunning those beers ahead of time, I won't spun them until I dry hop, and then I'll dry hop and then croisen and then put the spunning valve on, and that seems to kind of capture a lot of that aroma. That's cool. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love carp. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it's one of those things, too. And I mean, you have a pretty decent draft system here, uh, it, 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 it looks like as well. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even ask uh, – uh, your bartender just put a beer down in front of me when I walked in, which oh, yeah. uh, was just perfect Southern hospitality. So oh, thank thanks. you. Um, and I meant to one, ask what the beer was, yeah. but then two, uh, remark on the head. Like it, yeah. it, it was a perfectly poured and you had yeah. these really great little Nona 
pub glasses. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. Um, so what's funny is, you know, coming from a, a place that brick store that was yeah. so glass centric, like literally a glass for every single freaking beer that we had for the most part. Sometimes we wouldn't even bring a beer in unless we had the proper glass uh, or labeled glass for that matter. So me and Ryan, who I mentioned earlier, my business partner here, he, we were like, let's keep it simple. <laughs> let's have like three glasses. We get, we definitely don't have three glasses. Uh, the more beer we end up brewing, we're like, all right, we need a specific glass for that. So we've ended up with probably maybe eight to 10 pieces of glassware. But, um, I love these little, uh, Willie Beckers. So this is, uh, yeah. I think a 12 ounce Willie Becker. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. know if I've seen it's this awesome. size before, but mm-hmm. this is. So what's funny is the beer you're drinking is a, an English style best bitter called season of the whale. It's a uh, collab we did with the guys at the whale, um, in Greenville. They also have a location in Asheville and, uh, Charleston as well. Um, but, you know, with these English beers, what we try to do is we want to get as close to that softer carbonation as possible. So we try to get those in cans at like two, four, eight to two, five, two volumes of CO2. So they're not like, they're not hot, like Amer- or, sorry, they're not uh, carved like, uh, you know, American L's or anything like that. We want it to be a little bit softer, closer to, um, I mean, that's not super close to a cask, but not crazy carbonated with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm always paying attention to carb. Um, and for our Hefeweizen, we want to get that as close to 2.9 volumes that we can get in a can as possible. So that beer has been, you know, 2.75 and 2.8 and change a handful of times. What I'd eventually like to do with our Hef, and even with these uh, English beers, is can condition them so they can be super soft. Like my ideal English beer in a can would be like 2.2 to 2.3 volumes of CO2. And for our half of bites, and it would be like 3.2 volumes. Same thing with our uh, Saison. We have a dry hop Saison called Penelope that we just dry hopped yeah. today. Um, and I'd like that to be like 2.8, 2.9 volumes of CO2. Anyway. All right. Carbo. I, I, I dig it. I, your <laughs> passion. I, this is the cool thing about talking to brewers when you find something that is not part of the general consciousness. You know, yeah. it's not, well, I just want to talk about Citro Mosaic because most of the time people don't want to talk about Citro Mosaic, yeah. but you know, it's necessary, but it's the, it's the process. It's the, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's definitely the part that I love. I mean, I feel like I've got a decent handle on hops, but I'm not one of those brewers like, Oh yeah, let's do this, that. And the other. like, you know, I'd rather talk about like noble hops or, you know, some unknown American hops or lesser used American hops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, permit me to pay some bills for just a second. Yes, and sir. And we'll get back into it. Uh, I want to thank the companies that help keep us on the air, including Cigar City Brewing, which has taken inspiration from Beyond the Cosmos for Cosmic Crown, a golden-hued, golden strong ale. And they added galaxy hops to impart passion fruit and peach qualities to its profile of ripe fruit and light peppery spice. You can learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. And this episode is also brought to you by Stomp Stickers. It's a reliable resource for printed items, such as beer labels and boxes, keg collars, coasters, and more. Visit stompstickers.com and use code BEEREDGE15 for 15% off of your first order. The other thing, Todd DiMatteo of Good Word Brewing in Public House here in Duluth, Georgia, as I sit here um, coming out of that ad break with you. When I walk into a brewery, and I know that I'm going to be there for a while, or a bar, or wherever. I usually let ABV dictate where I'm going, or at least where I'm starting. Sure. Because, 
sure, it might be fun to start with something that's a seven, but then I'm going to just keep drinking that, and then my day is going to end very, very badly and quickly. <laughs> right. um, so I usually start, you know, at the at the far right of the menu right. at ABV, and then work my way backwards yeah. until I find a style. Walking in here today and seeing this board, I got very excited because there's everything that I saw in four and three percents. I want to drink. Um, which could also mean that this night will end very, very, very badly. Um, no. No, it won't. It's going to be fine. Um, I do have some 13% barley wine and 10% uh, imperial stout that I want you to try as well. Sure. Um, do that in, like, you know, mid-drinking day. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Because uh, then you can go back to the other. Um, but you've been, I think, successful in creating low ABV beers. Yeah. That and maybe this is the carbonation. Maybe it's just you know the the ingredients that you use, but like that still have full body to it. You know, it's yeah. not trying to drink a Mick Ultra that is just carbonated water. Sure, you know, yeah. I, you, there's there's depth to your low ABV beers, right. which I have to think is is intentional. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, um, for exactly that reason, there is a very popular national brand that does a beer that you can drink all day. Uh, that it's fine, um, but we do a petite IPA series, uh, and I was like, I, I think we can make something that's you know better than what they're doing as far as aroma and flavor go. Maybe not on like I mean their quality control is incredible, so I'm sure if you put it on a you know analysis, it's like yeah, actually this beer has this, that, and the other wrong with it. But anyway, that was kind of my like bar was like, all right, we're gonna call this. Um, small um, hoppy thing, a petite IPA, one to kind of be contrarian and piss people off a little bit because uh, I can also be classist in that way. But also it'd be like, you know, it's still an IPA, so we're going to call it a pale ale where people are like, ah, oh, fuck, because pale ale is this forgotten little hoppy brother of the IPA. No one gives a shit about it. But they've been pretty successful for us as far as um, people coming in looking for something hoppy. I love those beers as well. I, I mean, there's a little, you know, they're sub four percent beers we've made three of them now yeah two have been like three and a half percent one was three point nine percent it's low calorie it's great to drink one thing i've found though is like with small beers what some bigger breweries or even some uh, breweries our size will do is they will produce uh higher gravity work and they will uh you know liquor it down with sure. water right and i've found in some of those beers that i've tasted um it lacks this sort of depth and quality. Like it tastes like it was watered down. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's smooth and it's got this sort of roundness too, but there's no depth, you know, like when I drink something that small, I want to feel like some astringency. I want to, I want to have like that true balance. Like show me that you can make a, a small beer, uh, with your same process without, you know, watering it down uh, per se. And I, I feel like I'm, you know, advocating for that. I forget what that ad was for like, you know, Millite or uh, whatever it was. Oh, the less filling tastes yeah, great. Less, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of those kind of things. But I don't know. I, I definitely believe that like wholeheartedly is, you know, I spend a lot of time with uh, the rest of people forever go to brew day. And then during brew day, I'm like hyper focused on um, the pH, the, uh, the, the sugar level of the sparge water, all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, once you get to a certain threshold, you got to just call it and it is what it is. Um, so you don't pull any tannins and, and throw that beer out of balance. But at the end of the day, whether it's uh, a small beer or a big beer, uh, I'm looking for beers that have like a certain amount of balance. I was picking on one of my buddies today, Wit, 
on uh, social media. He was doing a six pound per barrel uh, dry hop on a beer, and I was like, it's too fucking much. You know, <laughs> on his Instagram, I'm fucking with him like that. But, um, and he starts texting me. He's like, I don't think it's too much. And I was like, I'm just busting your chops. See, if you don't think it's too much, it's your business. Yeah, it's your beer. It's your beer. Yeah. yeah. But I still think it's too much. And uh, I think there's ways to get that two and a half to three pound uh, per barrel, which is still a, a considerable amount. He's using a triple IPA, by the way. So that probably wouldn't be quite enough for that. But anyway, making two and a half to three pounds per barrel work for you and still get those sort of characteristics. Because you can talk to a guy like Stan Hieronymus, yeah, who's this fucking hop guru. And he can tell you, like, your utilization is going to be fucking like sub 40% on those hops. You might as well knock back on, out onto him with the next brew uh, to get your money's worth. So, like, I started looking at some of our beers, um, might never sleep. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, this beer used to cost like a thousand dollars less to make. And I, I kind of changed my process a little bit. And I started doing this like dry hop arms race that I was seeing on social media. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let fucking social media or what another brewer is doing dictate what I'm doing. I'm going to let my palate like I have been yeah. guide me on not just the small beers, but on the hoppy beers and the fucking silly all the stouts or whatever the fuck. I mean, it, it, I'm always curious about that. And I think right before the pandemic hit us, I was in Arizona at Ren house and they were, they were creating a beer. Those just great. Yeah. Like, They're awesome. Yeah. But they were doing a beer I, just for the shock value of it, where they were putting, um, 13 pounds per barrel. Holy shit. Yeah. And, and they knew that it was yeah. like a goof and everything. Sure. And I think it was just for, the the festival that we were going to the guild festival that and goes back to it's only beer john yes they're having fun they were having fun um but it got me thinking of when there was that arms race especially in the early days oh, where the it's how many pounds yeah, the, yeah you know the ibu wars and the you know the pounds per barrel skirmishes and everything else like that um i i don't know how many people walk through the door even the hardened beer geeks and are like, well, I only drink beers that have a minimum of eight pounds per barrel yeah, yeah. or six pounds per barrel. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The whole idea of drinking with your eyes has gone the wrong way. I feel like I see people comment on like, and I feel like I've made a lot of jokes about hazy beer, but when somebody says, oh, that looks delicious. And it's just like the milky looking like glass of whatever the fuck. I'm like, that doesn't look appealing, bro. Don't tell me that. Like you may look at that and go like, man, I bet that's going to be a good hazy IPA, but don't tell me it looks fucking appealing. That's crazy. It looks like fucking, <laughs> you know, milky fucking wheat water or some shit. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, again, I have to caveat with, we make beer like that too. So no one come after me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. When I see something that like has this great foam or some lacing from a glass that's half drank, or beautiful clarity and an you know fucking red beer, red ale, you know what I mean? Like some kind of thing that I can read through or whatever. Like I guess that's the old man in me uh, emerging, <laughs> tired but triumphant. You do a lot with social media, yeah, and we do drink with our eyes, sure. and. You're often taking really nice photos. Oh, or somebody man. here is taking really somebody nice photos. Somebody is. Yeah. I take some of those photos, and mine are garbage, okay. which is uh, French for shit. You're right. Uh, <laughs> but Clay takes some really good pictures. Clay's my assistant brewer uh, back there, and he takes wonderful uh, pictures. Um, there's a, and we have a professional photographer who's taking a handful of stuff. But it seems yeah. like, and I pick on my chef who's out right now. Um, he just had his third kid. Ooh. His third kid is a uh, beautiful little girl. 
Um, but anyway, uh, every time we take pictures, I feel like he changes the menu on me. So I'm like, I'm not hiring anybody to do it anymore. You can't do it. But, uh, but yeah, social media is definitely part of the gig. And, you know, there's been times, or still are times when I like, you know, will feel inspired and I'll say something that sounds cool or whatever to me. And then sometimes I'll put like one sentence up, you know, it's like, whatever the fuck, here's a picture of some shit. Yeah. I'm brewing. (laughs) Um, but the pints, like when that pint came down, yeah, I had this desire to just take a photo of it because oh, cool. that's, you know, what you do in yeah. these settings. And as I'm sitting here and I'm looking around, every angle provides like a really nice setting as well. And the yeah. aesthetics of you can commemorate it for a post that's maybe going to get a couple of thumbs up or or, sure, or yeah. whatever. Right. But there there is you're drinking with your eyes for the beer, but also in the setting and yeah. you guys created a tap room here with this outdoor space as well which is a lot of fun to to, to look right at. yeah um that just immediately feels welcoming in a familiar way for a first-time visitor that's great i mean we paid a lot of money for that design work for sure uh so but yeah you know we're um full restaurant as well we have a great wine list our cocktails are incredible but i feel like as far as the a great picture from any angle it's really the the windows there's all this like natural light that spills into the space and it just makes for i don't know a warm it, it, it can only be warm there's wood on the walls and the the glow of these little lanterns that are around us uh it's just a lot of warm and natural light in here it's nice yeah, yeah. and once you mentioned it, i, I I think I've taken it for granted up until this point now, over five years. Thank you, really? John. No, well, I'm just kidding. No, okay. I was going to say. <laughs> no, it, it's true, not. though. Sometimes yeah. you do. We did uh, break that one, though. We cannot find a replacement bulb. You see it just above you? I got the one guy right there. This oh, one. okay. Yeah. Oh, We've yeah. been looking for it for months. Okay. That's the only one that's, that's like that. One, yeah. Okay. We were trying to clean them, and uh, it fell, and we have not been able to find a replacement. So... For, for these bulbs yep. but the so you just got a replacement Edison bulb kind of thing yeah we got this like it looks a little uh, DIY for sure it does um, I don't know I, you know it adds a little bit of charm yeah. to it um, I don't know now you got to get the metal stools the, and the metal stools oh, now that you have the Edison, Edison bulbs yeah. and uh, well, what else is in that starter pack oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. The, what's the uh, not Etsy but what's the um, social media thing the one that everybody uses for their boards. Oh, uh, the untapped. No, no, no. The um, we use Pinterest. Oh, right. Yeah, the Pinterest board. If you just saw what I saved on Pinterest, <laughs> it looked like a thousand other places. <laughs> Luckily, we were smart and paid people to come and design this thing for us. Um, where does the name of the brewery come from? Uh, from me and Ryan. Honestly, we were. Uh, it, it was as simple as a text message, but really good word is uh, about like community and the people who make up not only the business but the place we're around and uh we have this thing that i i I wrote a while back and it kind of like surmised it was like this calling like we had just opened i think we're a couple three or four days old and i sent this email to the staff i was still helping run front of the house at that point our brewer hadn't quite absconded (laughs) just then so i wasn't doing much in the brewery then but um it was basically like, you know, we're made up of misfits and, uh, you know, basically saying that we are a reflection of the community we're a part of. And I think at the end of the day, Good Word is a place very reminiscent of Brickstore and its ethos is like 
it's a pub at its heart. You know, we have televisions in here, which we definitely all kind of fought against in the beginning, but they only come on for certain things. But this is a place to celebrate, commiserate, and everything in between. Argue about politics, you know, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Do you find that people... The last two years have been strange. Sure. And as the world has reopened as people have come out to a public house, to a place where, you know, you want that conversation, you want that community. Have people emerged from the pandemic differently when they gather here at the bar? Have you noticed a shift? You know, like most um, people who have left front of the house and are in <laughs> the brewery only, I kind of hide back there for the most part. I come out here every now and then. But I spend um, most of my time in the back of the house for sure. But I don't know. I feel like we never really lost that sense of community for us. Like the people who are here all the time, like our regulars, I mean, they never left. You know, like they stuck with us. Um, you know, we closed March 17th or 16th of I think it was 17th of 2020 and immediately turned into uh, you know uh, fucking what do you call them soup kitchen we, we yeah. literally gave our food away and we started doing all this but our community rallied around us like we didn't know how we were going to pay our staff we put up a um, you know one of those donation things and we raised like $28,000 for the staff all the money rent went to them of course um, so yeah, the people who, people who have supported us since day one have never left and they kind of, so yeah, I don't think they, they changed much. Maybe the people who are coming out now, I haven't really noticed, okay. uh, that sort of change, but I don't know. I feel like we were a lot of things in between that, uh, March 17th date to the time we actually let people come back inside, like yeah. we were doing to go and family meal. But once we let pe- people come back in, there was always that sort of thank you for being here yeah you know because this area we're in is very sub- suburban and there's not many places that are like us uh, out here so people have always had this sort of like grateful thank you for being different and for um you know caring so much and being so passionate about not just the beer but the food and the cocktails everything that we do like literally there are bartenders over here making what in the fuck i don't know some kind of herbs and shit like how many places do three four hours worth of prep for their bar uh in advance you know these are bartenders anyway but it's we, how, we but give it's a how, fuck no but it, but it, but it's how you get people to keep coming back right yeah. it's that and you can't let up yeah you know, once you've established this is who we are and people come to expect it totally they notice it pretty quickly if you're not that anymore without a doubt that's yeah. definitely true for sure um I've been asking folks on the show for a while now, uh, the premise of The Good Place, uh, the television show, where there's the concept of the green door. That if Concept of the what? The green door. The green door, okay. Yeah. So with the idea being that if we finished this conversation uh, and there is a green door here uh, that you could walk through and it would take you anywhere that you wanted to be at any place in time with whoever you wanted to be oh, with. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a good show. You should yeah. watch the show. Okay. Um, if we could finish this conversation and you could walk through a green door and you could go to any brewery or beer bar anywhere in the world at any point in time, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to drink? 
Um, you know, immediately when you started talking about where would you want to go, I thought about the beach and my family. Uh, okay. So I've got a wonderful wife and three uh, beautiful little gar- uh, girls. Some not, two of them not so little anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't spend quite as much time in bars these days, uh, unless I'm out of town. Yeah. Um, doing an event or something like that. So I picture myself on the beach, uh, sipping an ice cold bottle of some shitty lager beer uh, that's I don't know made by the island that I'm I'm hanging out on. Okay. Uh, with some the smell of some shrimp or something in the background getting roasted or broiled or whatever. Peel yeah. and eat shrimp are so hard to find. I was just at St. Kitts. Are they? They were, yeah, they were nowhere. I was like, where are the fucking shrimp? There's, I don't know if they're just shrimp just weren't local to that area or if the shrimp were shitty or whatever, but they were like, we have lobster. I'm like, all right, I'll fuck with the lobster, I guess. But anyway, I wanted some shrimp. <laughs> you're you're still bitter about this. I you're on bitter. an island I wanna, and you, you want to peel and eat shrimp. I want to go back there and open a peel and eat shrimp place and it's called You Guys Missed Out. <laughs> You should have done this yourself. Now I'm rich. Um, I don't know if I've had enough peel and eat shrimp experiences that I would ever feel as passionate about this. Everywhere as you I do. go, when there's water, I want peel and eat. I mean, as long as it's not a lake, but I want okay. peel and eat shrimp. I was gonna say, yeah. I'm serious. Every time I go somewhere, that's ask my not wife. really a Jersey Shore thing. I don't think. Okay, I mean, crab legs are fine too. They're a little bit more work, but yeah. I always worry they've been frozen before. But if you go somewhere and there's like, you know, like the Gulf, you're like, all right. But where is the best oysters and peel and eat shrimp? Let's fucking do this. Okay. My wife I, knows I'm passionate about it. I was clearly. Bummed. Yeah. I mean, we. I wish we had more time to really dive into this. Uh, yes. To this madness that uh, that has consumed you now. Aquaculture. It's the next episode. We can talk um, about it. I think it's pretty cool. I, I'd yeah. love to. There's great correlations between beer and that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll. We'll. All right. We'll. We'll talk about that more. Um, thanks for having me here. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for creating a really cool spot and making really tasty beers that I always enjoy drinking. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate you. All right. A quick reminder that the Craft Brewery Cookbook is now on sale where books are sold. Get a copy today. And also, All About Beer is back online. Go to allaboutbeer.com to catch up with great content. And if you want to keep in touch with me, if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, you can email me at johnhall at beeredge.com or you can get with me on Twitter at john underscore hall. Don't forget to go to BeerEdge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and Defend Pilsner merch and follow along on social media at The Beer Edge. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TWRaukBeer. We're able to bring you the show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you would like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, you can reach out to sponsor at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that, Today's episode is sponsored by Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels and keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code BEEREDGE15 for 15% off of your first order. And don't forget... Cigar City Brewing, which has taken inspiration from beyond the cosmos for Cosmic Crown, a golden-hued, strong golden ale, and added galaxy hops to impart passion fruit and peach qualities to its profile of ripe fruit and light peppery spice. You can learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. 
As always, a reminder to check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Steal This Beer has new uh, episodes every Monday. And the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And don't forget to go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>